This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. I'm James L. Rubart, but please call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. And I'm David Rawlings. And in this episode, we have a special interview with David and how his publishing dream came true, what you can learn from it, and the marketing techniques that you can steal from David to advance your own career, whether you're already published or whether you're looking to get published, whether you're traditional or you're indie. So really excited to introduce you to David. David actually was a one-on-one consulting client of mine. And through that process, we did some consulting together, found out we really liked each other and have become friends. And David has just a really cool story. And so we're going to get into that a little bit. And again, like I already said, we're going to get into what did David do to get himself to the point he is now? Actually, if, if I could, if I could cut in just real quick, uh, I just want to say that getting published is hard, especially if you live outside of the country. And so while he's sharing this, I want you to realize that if he can do it, you can do it, right? If you can do it from Australia, you can definitely do it if you're living in the U.S. And if you're living outside of the U.S., this is even more helpful of an episode. That's right. To break in from down under is it just does not happen that often. And David did it and he did it well. And so, David, I want to start by actually talking about where you are, what you've accomplished, and then we'll go back and ask you some questions of, all right, how did you do it? So kick us off. You've got something exciting coming up in a couple of months here. You are with Harper Collins, uh, Christian Publishing. Uh, take us through just what's coming up in the next few months. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Look, just maybe to put some context into the distance between us in terms of answering the question of where I am, we're about seven and a half thousand miles away from America. So on top of the usual writing journey of, of trying to get into the States, I had to do it with that distance as well. So look, I'm, I'm amazed actually that on March 5, my first novel, The Debut, which is called The Baggage Handler, is coming out. And I'm also contracted to write two more after that. So I'm at the moment buried in the marketing of, of the baggage handler and building towards a launch, uh, but also looking ahead to I've, I've finished the, the first drafts of my second book, which is coming out in November, and trying to juggle all of that. So look, it is really exciting. It's a lot of work, but it's great fun at the same time. Okay, before we get into some of the uh, the details of your story, your journey, and some marketing tips for our listeners, real quick, give us the pitch for the book. Let's get that out there. Sure. Well, the, the baggage handler, it's, it's the story of three people who catch a flight for something significant in their life. And when they arrive at their destination, they get to the airport and they take the wrong baggage from the carousel. And when they go back to the baggage depot to return their their suitcase and and get the right one, they meet a young guy called the baggage handler. And he shows them that there's far more in their baggage than they remember packing, and they have to deal with it before they can leave. So that's basically the pitch about the baggage handler. It it was a fun story to write. I've got some really good feedback from from readers and advanced readers. And yeah, really enjoyed writing that story. Okay. So you've got, and I know you've got some good buzz coming uh, about this. I'm not sure how much I can say, but I know some things in backstage that's going on with it. Really exciting things going on with this book. How did it all get started? Um, Give us the quick Reader's Digest version of how you got to this point. (laughs) Okay. Let's condense it. Um, The Baggage Handler was born out of rejection. Uh, it's actually the second manuscript I ever wrote. I wrote my, my first one was written in, in 2016, and I submitted that to a number of competitions in the States, and it finaled in a number of them. But when I took it to the industry, they all said no, that they didn't 
they thought it was a, a good story, but it wouldn't work for them, which is fairly standard. So that was fine. Um, I sent it to one particular agent who was very keen and he looked at it and said, look, I just can't do anything with that. And he suggested I write something else. And so just as that last door closed on my first manuscript, I started writing something else and, and that became The Baggage Handler. It really was, I was reading a lot and researching a lot in terms of what else I could write. And and literally the, the story dropped into my head one night. I was, was in bed reading, nine o'clock at night, and the story basically just dropped into my head. I grabbed my laptop and the next time I looked at the, the clock, it was about one o'clock in the morning. And I pretty much pretty much had the structure and the plot and the characters and everything really. So it was just one of those moments. And so yeah, it was born out of rejection. And and now it's good to remember that because that is part of the journey of this story. And yeah, and now we're what five six weeks away from depending on when you listen to the podcast, of course, from from going live with it. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks. Definitely big congratulations. So talk to us about the difference, the things you did. And again, you have a marketing background. And so you um, understand how to approach it maybe with, well, not maybe, definitely with a lot more experience than a lot of people out there. But talk about some of the specific things you did marketing wise that you think made a difference with getting an agent, with getting a publisher, et cetera. Well, you're right about my background. I mean, corporately, I've spent a career in, in communication and marketing as a copywriter. So I've, I've been, it's been drummed into me for, for 25 years now that I need to understand the audience. And I think to me, that's, that's one of the main things that I, I took into this was just thinking differently about it. So it's not, you know, social media, for example, is a place where you're encouraged to say a lot. And I tend to say things after listening a lot. And, I think that comes from my corporate experience because you know your audience is is key. They they hold the they hold the key to to all of your success, and you need to understand them. And and I've also the other two things I've had printed and sort of stuck up on my wall above my computer is, and this again is corporate experience is to be where everyone isn't, and to be what everyone isn't. So that means when I've done I've had some reasonable success doing video. So I looked at how other people are doing videos, which which tends to be sort of the into the phone in your study with a bookcase in the background. And because one of my key points of difference is the fact that I'm an Australian, it means that I jump in the car and drive five minutes away to a national park and shoot my videos in the Australian bush. And, you know, logistically, it's a little harder, but it means that the end product is something that actually really does stand out. Because we get flooded with content, social media, email, newsletters, everything else. You really do have to stand out. And so for me, identifying that point of difference and playing to it was really, really important. And what I like about that is that you're turning a weakness, what's presumably weakness, right? Like if you're trying to break into the American market, being in Australia can be seen as a disadvantage. But you're turning that weakness into an advantage. And for those of you listening, you know, think about what is uh, the, my biggest disadvantages and, and then ask yourself, what about that disadvantage could be turned into an advantage of something that actually could be useful uh, moving forward? Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And this is something that you need to, yeah, you need to brainstorm this. You, you can't, you don't necessarily come up with this on your own because you are trying to read the label when you're standing inside the bottle. And in this case, for example, David and I were talking on the phone. It's like, David, you have got to get the, your voice out there. What do you mean? My voice, your voice. We love Australians. We love the way you guys sound. We love everything about you. So you really have to use that 
as a distinguishing factor. And so in one sense, David only had to open his voice and he's unique and he's attractive to people. And then he took it a step further and David and I were working on his website. I said, Hey David, we need to do these things to it. Let's do these things. Let's please do, let's do these things. And one of the things I loved about working with David is he actually went and did the things I suggested he, he do. He, uh, so a lot of people take advice and they say, yeah, 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 that's good. Um, I should do that. And they never do it. David is a guy that did it. But what David did is he took it a step further and he developed a video on his site that I just thought was so spot on. So David, talk about, you know, which video I'm talking about, talk about the development of that video and what kind of an impact it made. Yeah, that would be the agent publisher video. Um, just, just on my website, yeah, as Jim said, the, the one thing that stands out is, well, the, the two things that stand out when I speak is one is my accent. The second thing is I'm male. Um, when it comes to fiction writing, the conferences I've been to, I'm in the minority. So we just had to bring that to the website. But I, I was thinking about how do I actually engage with agents and publishers rather than sending them an email, which probably hits their spam folder, or I, I send them something in the post which sits on their slush pile. So one thing I did is I, I wrote a short video and recorded it, which basically was appealing to agents and publishers. And it wasn't my writing story. It wasn't my writing journey. It wasn't even a pitch. It was, if you work with me, this is what I can bring to the table. And that was very much just driven by an understanding of what they're thinking. You know, an agent wants a, a novelist with with some ideas who understands the, the benefits of marketing and platform. And so I was able to put that into a 90-second video. And the funny thing is I'm now with the Steve Lobby Agency is somebody told me Steve was using that as an example in one of his conference presentations. So um, people still talk about that video within the industry of the, that I put on my website. Hey, Thomas, talk for that. Talk about that for a minute. You're hearing that this is done. How does that strike you since you're now an agent? So one of the things that agents look for is, is somebody media savvy, right? Do they have the ability to go on camera and cogently articulate their book? Can they get in front of a microphone? And putting up a video is a good way of demonstrating uh, that media savviness, uh, right? If some authors are allergic to the camera or allergic to the microphone, and that doesn't mean they can't be successful, but it means that from a marketing perspective, they're going to have to find their success some other way. And so that can be helpful. And then also there's just the fact that, you know, if I'm going through a slush pile, I've got dozens or hundreds of emails I'm going through, and I'm not spending very long on your website. So if you can, in 90 seconds, explain what makes you different, that is much more likely going to get my attention as an agent than not having that. Uh, so if that's the goal of your website, and again, so I, knowing what your goal is for your website is very important, uh, then that should be very prominent <laughs> on your website. Whereas if your goal on your website is to sell your most recent book, you're going to want something different there um, at the top of your site. I totally agree, Thomas. That's what I say to my clients when I'm in the corporate sector as well as your website isn't there so that you can say you've got a website. You really need to think about your online presence, web particularly, in terms of what you want people to take away. Not necessarily what they'll find when they're there, but what you want them to walk away with. And with that video, that absolutely, well, it worked. So it was definitely worth doing. Uh, David, an another thing, whether whether you've got five books out, you've got 10 books out, your, your first or second or third books coming out, whether you're traditional or indie, one of the things I find, and this is obvious, but the people who are more committed have more success. And one of the ways I saw your commitment was you have come to a major conference 
in the US twice now from Australia. And that's a significant amount of time simply flying to get here. And it's a significant amount of money. Talk to us about the mindset of, hey, I know this is expensive, but this is a real deal for me. I'm going fully into it. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, look, I've been to the States twice. Um, Both conferences were really useful uh, in terms of connection, in terms of presence, in terms of so many things. But my mindset before I even got on the plane here in Australia was this has to work. So it, it's it's great to go to the other side of the, the planet and, and it's it's fun. But at the end of the day, I treated it like an investment rather than an expense. So what that meant in terms of particularly my most recent conference, I was in Nashville in September. I went to that one because it was around the corner from my publisher. So my publisher gracefully gave me some time to meet with the sales team, the marketing team, the editorial team, the film rights team, everybody, so that I could make the most use of my time. And I spent some time working out how I was going to network and almost planned it like it was a military operation in the sense of I had a list of 48 people that I knew I had to at least shake their hand and when I got on the plane coming home from Nashville, I'd, I'd met 47 of those people. And so I could sit back and go, yeah, it was it was expensive, but it was now an investment. And the funny thing is now that the baggage handler is coming out in March, some of those people who I you know took time to meet are now happy to endorse my work, are happy to tell their followings that they know of me. I mean, that's that's the one thing when you're starting out, whether you're from Australia or America or wherever, you're a nobody. And so I took into those conferences this idea that I needed to not necessarily get known by everybody, but I needed people who were known by everybody else to say, hey, I know that nobody. And that worked really well and is continuing to work as well. So I'd suggest that to anybody who's going to a conference, whether it costs you 200 bucks or $2,000, it's you have to be strategic about it. And if you need to plan it, you need to plan it and treat it like it's an investment rather than expense. Because for me, certainly that investment is absolutely paying off now. Yeah, there's been a lot of hullabaloo in the podcasting world about top 10 lists in the last couple of weeks. And it's come out that almost all of the top 10 best business podcasts, top 10 best blah, blah, blah podcasts, they're almost always friends of the author of that blog post, like real life friends. And then it's not really a, I listen to 100 podcasts and these are the top 10. It's like, here are 10 friends that I have who podcast. And so much of marketing is like that. It's all about who you know. If you're friends with the person at BuzzFeed who's writing the top podcasts post, you're far more likely to be featured than if you're making a good podcast in obscurity. And that's the same way with writing. Lots of good books come out every day. So a thousand books get published every day. How do you break out of the crowd? Well, a key part of that, regardless of how you're published or where you're published, is being friends with the influencers and investing and getting to know the influencers, the people who curry influence, the people who curry favor in your market and in each genre and in each type of book, who those influencers are is going to be different. And David, I loved your approach of these are the 48 people I needed to meet, right? You knew who the right influencers were because your book's a certain kind of type of book and it's not going to appeal to 
everyone. And you'd be talking to lots of the wrong kind of influencers if you weren't being uh, proactive about it. Yeah, totally agree with that point. I'm sorry, Jim. Oh, I was just going to say that exactly right. You were so intentional about it. You did have a plan. You said, well, maybe you should go in with a plan. No, you definitely should go in with a plan. And watching you on Facebook and watching these posts, I met this person, I met this person. It, it was so powerful. And it also speaks to Thomas's point about the right people too. Um, sometimes, I mean, I know in the corporate world, we get so hung up on numbers when it comes to social media. And, you know, that's sort of a carryover from the late 2000s when numbers were everything. But there were some people that went to that conference that were huge names and they weren't on my list. And that's mainly because I, I, they were in a different genre completely and they weren't, their following was not likely to be the following for my book. So that was the other, maybe it's, it's my background in direct marketing, but, but one thing that I do think about a lot when it comes to marketing my, my writing is I'm very targeted. It's, and even now I'm putting, putting the finishing touches on a launch team. Now, traditionally, the launch team is grabbing those people amongst your Facebook friends and putting out you know, a, a call to arms for people to join you. I'm, I'm approaching some people individually because I know they're the right person because of, of their standing. So it's, it's about targeting because the reality is, I mean, very few of us write for a living and that's all we do. You know, most people have a day job. So the time you spend has to be spent well. And there are so many things you could do. And I've always brought it back to, is this the thing I should be doing? So yeah, it, it's about targeting the right people when it comes to your marketing as well. Because the, the one contact with the right following in the right place could give you the return that 10 people with you know followings all over the places could give you. Well said. So David, let's say we have that author that's been working at this crazy publishing game for years and they're getting frustrated with it. Um, they didn't have one novel rejected like you did. They've had five novels or six novels rejected. They feel like giving up, but deep down inside, they know, no, I'm. this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my love. What would you say to them? Well, the one thing I, I learned through my process, my, my first manuscript, I, I thought that was going to make it. And maybe it's a parenting thing, you know, the, the first child and all the rest of it. But I, I love that story. And I had to take the emotion out of it and say, look, I'm putting that aside and I'm going to try something else. Um, the other thing that I've sort of had in the back of my mind as I was going through that, because that was devastating to, to find people who go, yeah, we like it. And then you sit on the hook for six weeks and then they don't like it. I started to approach things using a particular catchphrase, which is it's not that the story's not right. Maybe it's not right now. And so that, that, that story still hasn't been published and maybe it won't. But maybe it will. The fact is that I've moved on to something else. Uh, this is hard. <laughs> I know Thomas said in the intro that I've added distance to the the usual difficulty, but this is this is hard. You know, Thomas is is getting hundreds of emails a day, and and every agent is getting that. Publishers are flooded with ideas. I would suggest to you that maybe it's it's the fact that the timing is not right for now, and it's it's just something you need to put something aside if it's not working, come back to it and try something else. And the reality is, I mean, if we were having this discussion 20 years ago, well, we wouldn't be online for a start. But if 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 you were traditionally publishing, the answer was, was yes or no, but now it's yes, no, or do I do it myself? And look, maybe you could try that. If, if the story, you know, you think it's got traction and you've got some some clarity in your head about what you can do, you're taking on an extra workload, sure but at least you've got that opportunity. 
it's it's one thing that look writers that I spoke to when I was in the states who have been writing for 20 30 40 years they were having the same feelings of doubt that I was it's just part of the game it really is part of the game I'm sure Jim you're the same oh absolutely it's just something that comes with the territory so we're dealing with doubt constantly I, I have friends who work in science and maths I keep saying to them you know when, when you're a mathematician there's usually an answer but in in my field there's never one answer it's always shades of subjectivity <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's experimenting again and again and again. Exactly. All right, David, we are almost out of time. But before we go, I want to see if you have any quick tips uh, for our listeners on publishing and marketing. You know, what, Give us your lightning round. Okay. The lightning round of, of, I think you have to show your personality of who you are. And that doesn't mean you adopt the personality of social media. I think that means you show who you are. And if you're quiet and introverted, show us that. When I say that I appear on screen as Australian, I don't dress up like Steve Irwin or the Crocodile Hunter and and wrestle crocodiles in my videos. <laughs> I, I just am who I am. And I think people connect with who you are as much as what you do. So I think that's really important. When it, when it comes to things like, I think video is huge in 2019, but you have to be watchable from the point of view of having a reason to watch. So I think if you are going to be looking at video, I think you need to be actually looking at who you are and why people would watch. Don't try to be funny if you're not funny. Nothing fails quicker. But if you want to show yourself visually, do so. And the other thing is, I say this to my clients a lot, which is that with the term social media, all of them focus on the wrong word. They focus on the word media. They should be focusing on the word social. So when you post, it's about engaging with people. It's not giving them information. It's giving them a reason to connect or stay connected. So one thing I often do is is I will engage with the people that I'm that are, I'm not just posting for, but posting with. Participate in other people's marketing because we we sometimes think that I'm responsible for all this work, so I have to do it all. Part of the reason for connecting with with influencers is you can surf in on some of the work they're doing. So. Marketing is about finding the right person and giving them the right message in the right way. And and that's how I've approached all of my marketing for The Baggage Handler and future books as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Where can people find out more about you and about The Baggage Handler? Well, if you head to my website, which is www.davidrawlings.com.au, the AU bit's important. That's the Australian bit. If you do the .com, you might end up with a jazz guitarist. <laughs> That's right. Just maybe. Just maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you can find some excerpts for The Baggage Handler. I've got some video up there as well. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, you can get some free short stories that sort of show my style. But also go into the drawer for this month. We've got uh, some Baggage Handler tags that um, you can go into into the running to win. So head over to my website, www.davidrawlings.com.au for more. Short stories in exchange for people signing up for your newsletter. I like it. (laughs) I like that a lot. That's a good idea. (laughs) It's almost like you did a podcast on that, yeah. Yeah, I wonder wonder where you got that idea. Uh, Our featured patron today is the Ember series by Carrie Dawes. Uh, When a hurricane and a series of unexpected fires hits too close to home, Inspector Cassandra McCarthy has to figure out what it will cost to protect the citizens of Silver Heights. 
Uh, and uh, thank you and Carrie for being a patron. If you would like to be a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, you save up to 50% on our courses uh, and on our plugins. We have discounts on our plugins. You also get uh, access to an exclusive patrons-only Q&A episode every month and so much more. You can find out more about how to become a patron at novelmarketing.com. And our sponsor this week of the David Rawlings version of the Novel Marketing Podcast is the Rubart Writing Academy. We have two academies coming up, one March 21st through the 24th in Lake Chelan, Washington, and one April 25th through the 28th in Blairsville, Georgia. And no, I cannot promise you that you will get an agent and get a contract and get published like David did from working with me. But I can pub promise you that you will be set on the right path for your publishing journey in the Academy. It's a live event. It's four days. It's very intimate. Um, in fact, we only have three spots left at each Academy. So if you're interested in getting one-on-one -on -one attention for your writing, your marketing, your branding, getting motivation, figuring out who you are at your core and how that influences your writing, we would love, my son and I would love to have you check out a little bit more about the Academy and see if it fits for you. You can find out all about each of the upcoming academies, the one in March and the one in April at rhubartwritingacademy.com. And as always, we'll have links to that and David Rawlings' uh, website in the show notes. So just scroll down in the app in which you listen, and you can tap with your finger to go to any of the websites we mentioned in the show today. You have been listening to James L. Rubart, Thomas Sumstead Jr., and David Rawlings on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and even down under. Thanks for listening.